This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Good evening, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 93, for Monday, October 29th, 2012. Also known as Hurricane Day. Hurricane Day. Um, well, in the uh, eastern United States and parts of Canada. Well, here too, yeah. I think. Well, we're that, that's what the parts of Canada here are parts of Canada. Sure. They say, apparently, that southern Ontario, where we are, is going to receive the worst, uh, the worst of it that Canada will get. Cool. Clearly things in New York. I just made an opening sound. Sorry. That's fine. Clearly things in New York and uh, Massachusetts and that section of the, the U.S. Philadelphia. And Philadelphia are pretty bad yeah. right now. And I don't think we're going to get to that point. But we are expecting some heavy rain and wind this evening. So, uh, Oh, the drive here was uh, quite windy. I was telling you a little bit just before the show that uh, I got hit by a garbage bag yeah, on well, the highway. I'm glad you made it here safely. You yeah. don't want to get hit by anything on the highway. No. So I uh, saw it coming though, so I wasn't startled, and I was half expecting it to stick to the windshield. And you know, you know, if if uh, television and movies is correct, uh, comedy would ensue. Well, but, comedy, sure, yeah, but, not in real uh, life so much. No, though. real life would be a little bit different. But the bag didn't stick; it went off to uh, harass other drivers. Yeah, good. It just sort of smacked off your windshield. Yeah, that's uh, scary. I've had stuff hit my windshield before, and it startled me. Yeah, luckily it didn't startle me. Luckily, I saw it coming, but. Uh, yeah, I was I was half expecting to hit the hazards and hit the brakes and you were ready to get your head cars. out the window and and drive because you couldn't see because there was a bag on your windshield. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> comedy would ensue. I'm glad you were thinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, happy Halloween, everybody. Yeah. Uh, it's in two days from now. It may not be a very happy Halloween if this storm persists. Frankenstorm. Fra- yeah. Uh, it may be rainy and cold and generally crappy. So. Wherever you are, hopefully you are going to have a great Halloween. Mm-hmm. Us here in. Storm Central may or may not. But uh, that's the way it goes. It is October. It rains a lot, and maybe it snows. I love weather like this. I love it when it rains for days and is windy and blustery, and uh, you have to batten down the hatches. You know, I think the trees in my backyard like all the rain, but me, I could do it a little less. I I love this. I've been looking forward to this weather for like a week as soon as I heard about it. Well, you're the one who has to drive in it, too. At least I don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. It was very windy on the road. Lots of uh, the workload was a lot higher. Cars dodging, you know, in and out of their lanes and uh, avoid all trucks. Like mm-hmm. at least give them a lane uh, berth. Yeah. Well, I'm just glad you made it here safely. Yeah, it was good. Good fun. And I'm glad the power's still on. Oh so yeah. Let's let's not delay anymore. There are there's power in this house and four houses to the west, and then that's it. Boy, that is uh, those are not good odds. <laughs> no. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do this thing here before we lose power, and let's keep our fingers crossed. Sure, sure. The Walking Dead news. News. Right. Yeah, quickly in the news today, I just want to talk about the ratings from last episode. Cool, cool. Uh, number two. So the season <clears throat> premiere did pretty well with all those people watching it. I've heard that. Episode 2 did pretty well itself. 9.5 million total viewers mm. just for the 9 p.m. airing. Right. That is uh, 6.489 million in the 18 to 49 demographic. Quite a few. <clears throat> Not bad at all. Now, compared to season 2, that's up 45% in total viewers and up 47% in the 18 to 49 demo. Hmm. So they're, uh, they're up in every way. 
Yeah, they're uh, really hammering at their demographic, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they are. They're doing pretty well. If you add up the viewers from the 9 p.m., 10 p.m., and 12 a.m. Uh, airing of episode two, we get total 14 million viewers. Hmm. So that's not bad. That's pretty good. That's nearly half the population of Canada. It really is. <laughs> Watch this show. So there you go. One in two people in this country, if those numbers were here, were watching it. That might be the population in Canada that owns a TV. Uh, it could. Well, I don't know how many people in Canada own a TV. You're making that Probably up. more than 14 million. There's probably more uh, TVs in this country than you think. Than people? Uh, no, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> There's more cars than people. There's more? Really? Yeah, well, in uh, California, I know there is. Right. Um, here, I don't know about that. There's more chickens than people. That's for sure. Uh, there's definitely more chickens, and probably cows, too. Probably cows. Uh, anyways, great ratings, nothing to complain about, and uh, and I think it's just going to get uh, better from here. That's super, what I'd say. Super awesomer. Super awesomer. Okay, that's it for the news. Now it's time for our recap. Walk with me. Ooh. I know. He's the sexy voice that of was Scott nice. Fletcher. Walk with me. <clears throat> um, so I just want to say something before we start here, and sure. that is that listener Tom wrote in, and he suggested that it's not so cool for us to reference the comics so much during our episode recaps. Oh. Um, so I've decided that from now on we'll try not to do this, or at least cut it way back. Okay. Because I can see his point. I mean, this is the TV show, it's a different universe than the comic, we don't need to always compare them. Sometimes it's apt. To do so, yep. but I don't think we need to necessarily when we're strictly recapping ep- an episode and talking about the TV show. Okay, and I don't want to upset anyone with uh, spoilers and so on because right. we all know how good we are at warning people when spoilers are coming. Well, yeah, warning. You know, if you can warn somebody after it happened, mm-hmm. it's a post warning. Right. <clears throat> Choking on my drink there. You should have looked out for that. <sighs> I should have. Alrighty, so let's get into it. We open with some wilderness shots mm. of the surrounding countryside. But soon, very soon, we see the helicopter Yep, that we've seen a couple of times before in this series. Um, we're inside the helicopter. Yep. Something goes wrong. It starts smoking. Uh, no co-pilot, just a pilot. Just a pilot and two guys in the back. Right. So three crew on board. And it starts smoking and then crashes. Yep, <laughs> pretty much. It looked. It sounded. Uh, it was a little odd because uh, the first time uh, something happened, there was a big clunk, right? And you could, you obviously heard the clunk. Yep. And then uh, then the guy said, uh, "We've had worse turbulence than this." Blah blah blah. I'm like, that wasn't turbulence, guy. That yeah. was a clunk of like, some kind. Something just fell off, or, or you either got hit with something, <clears throat> or something flew off the engine. That's not a good sound. And uh, then it got worse. <laughs> yeah, it got worse. And and the second time something happened, it sounded like it was shot at. Like, it, it, it was... I, I don't think it was. And I don't think they were intending to imply that it was shot at. Right. But this, the sound that they it made, to me, sounded like a movie gunshot. It did. Yeah, bullets... It wasn't a gunshot. It was bullets hitting the... Uh, the aircraft, like you didn't hear the, the 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 shot itself, but you heard a clunk. Yeah, clunk. So, Could have been a bullet going through the engine, kind of thing. You're right. You're right. Something like that. But I don't think their intention was to imply that it was shot at. I think something just went wrong. This yeah. helicopter probably hasn't had proper maintenance in a while. Uh, threw a piston. Do they have pistons? They're jet engines. They don't have pistons. Threw something. Uh, threw a fan blade. Something. Wait a minute. Is a is a helicopter a jet engine? Yeah, it is. That one. Yeah, it had a jet engine. 
Jet engine requires air going in the front and out the back, right? Yeah, you got these big spinning blades. They're fine. Okay. It's, well, whatever. You're the you're the expert. Uh, the uh, oh, I'm not the expert by any stretch of the imaginations, <laughs> but I do know that the uh, the M1 Abrams tank has yes. a jet engine. The tank does. Tank, yeah. It needs it because it's so heavy. Uh, it's power to weight ratio. Wait a minute. Doesn't a jet engine require a, a fair bit of forward momentum to draw the air in through the engine? I really, I really don't think tanks so. don't move that fast. I, I know. I have problems with like I'm we're right at the edge of my knowledge. I just I know that they have. Uh, well, I think I'm pretty sure that they have a jet engine, and it has to do with power to weight ratio. It puts out a lot more power per pound than uh, like a diesel engine. Okay. Uh, That's why jets have jet engines and not uh, big diesel motors. Well, sure, that I can, underst- engines. can understand. But jets yeah. move forward very quickly. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's an absolute requirement. I think that right. uh, you can pour gas or jet fuel into a jet engine. That sucker's going to spin. I suppose it is. Someone will write in and clarify because we're morons. Yeah. Uh, so the helicopter crashes and it goes to black. But before the credits, we fade up to Andrea and Michonne standing on the road. They. See the smoke from the crash yep. and decide to head towards it. Sure. <clears throat> Go to credits. When we come back, they approach the crash site. Andrea vomits. She's clearly still feeling pretty sick, I think. Yep. Not feeling so well. Uh, Michonne chains the pets to a tree and goes over to investigate the crash. Mm-hmm. She finds one of the passengers uh, who appears to have been cut in half by the blade. Yeah, something, uh, yeah, something really kind of messed that guy up. His name was Sean. Was it? I discovered, yep. Was it a name tag, or uh, how do you know this? Uh, no, he was in the credits, or may, they may have mentioned it on uh, AMC's Talking Dead. Oh, okay. Uh, so Sean was cut in half by the blade. He was clearly dead. Yeah. <laughs> and in two pieces. Yep. Um, guts everywhere. Guts everywhere is disgusting. Soon, Michonne sees vehicles approaching and retreats back into hiding with Andrea. Yep. Now, at least five men get out of the cars, and I think there's two or three cars. Yep, two, two cars, a truck two, and an SUV. Two cars, five men. Yep. Uh, including David Morrissey as the governor. Yep. We don't really see him up close yet, but we hear a few orders he gives. Nope. Uh, so they start investigating the crash. Tim. Tim? Tim, the guy with the red pants and something in his pocket that we'll never find out what it is. That's Tim? His name? Yeah, I called him Tim. Tim, oh. get over here, whatever it was. All right. So we got Sean and Tim. We got Tim, yeah. And then we got uh, baseball bad guy. Bow and arrow guy. Yep. And one more. And one more. Uh, so they kill a few walkers that are hanging around while they investigate. They bow and arrow a couple in the head. One guy, the baseball bat guy, really goes to town on some two walkers with the baseball bat. Yeah, I think he does a pretty good job, too. Like, he uh, he doesn't take out the first walker. He uh, whacks her in the leg just to get her out of the way so that he can uh, deal with the second one while knowing that she is not going to bother. So... The thinking is disable the first one temporarily. Yeah. Instead of try to hit that one, maybe miss, maybe don't quite kill her, and then you're right. suddenly dealing with two. Right. Exactly. So take take the uh, take the shot that's guaranteed. Yes. Huh. So it knocked her down, uh, killed the second one, then came back to uh, mop up. Smart guy. Yeah. It was uh, very well executed. Smart guy. Um, what happens? So they find that the pilot is still alive. Yeah. The pilot's name is Lieutenant Wells. Also known as Breather. We've we, got a breather. That's right. We've got a breather. Lieutenant Wells is breathing, but unconscious. Um, now, at this point, a walker comes up from behind Michonne and Andrea. They get nervous for a second, but then he just walks right past them as if they don't exist. Yep. So uh, whatever they're doing is working. <laughs> Camo zombies working good. Camo zombies. I guess 
that walker was not only more attracted to all the motion that was happening over by the helicopter, but all the noise and stuff like that. Yep. And I guess maybe the smell was coming from that way too. Yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> we see the the bifurcated guy come back. That cool. would be the cut in half guy. Yep. <laughs> and the governor comes over and puts a knife in his head. Yep, right in his noodle. Right in the top of his head. Again, that it looked pretty easy to put that knife into that. Oh yeah, zombies skull. got soft heads. We're just it's they, it's the nature of the universe at this point. And they clearly go soft quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe everybody has soft heads. Maybe uh, just having the virus itself makes your head soft. Yeah, be careful not to headbutt anybody. Yeah, and full of blood. Well, not that there's not yeah. a whole lot of blood in there anyway, but uh, it's basically a big soft blood bag. It did come squirting out when he knifed him. Yeah. Uh, so Michonne's pets, who are still tied to the tree, chained to the tree, are getting more and more riled up. Yeah, they're at getting the, agitated. At all this that's going on. And they're starting to draw some attention from the governor and his people, which is not good. Yep. So Michonne jumps up and takes them both out by cutting their heads off, just like that. Just like that. Silencing them immediately. You are no longer uh, useful. You are now, you know, a threat. Goodbye. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're done to me. And you're, she uh, bifurcated them. <laughs> well, she separated their heads from their bodies. Um, the governor's men, I guess, don't worry about that. They move on. They appear to be leaving, but then somebody shows up behind Michonne. Oh my God, who could it be? We only hear the voice at first, but it was clear to me and probably to everybody that it was Merle. It was Merle. Merle has returned. Um, now he's sort of chatting with them for a few minutes and, uh, a walker's coming up behind him. And he just sort of, without even looking at him barely, casually turns around and sticks his uh, knife arm weapon up through the walker's chin and takes him out. It was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, What was awesome about it was how nonchalant he was about it. (laughs) Yeah, he was very casual about it. I hear the zombie, uh, you know, I'll deal with it. And uh, just using his hearing, he uh, was able to know exactly what that zombie was going to do and stab it right in the throat. It was very, very Upwardly. Up through the chin. It was awesome. Using a bayonet. Uh, yeah. It was a bayonet attached to his arm instead of a rifle. Attached to his arm. That's great. It's a great it idea. Nice. I like it. Um, so what happens? Andrea faints at that, and we go to black. Now, next thing we get is kind of a dream sequence type thingy yeah. where Andrea and Michonne are, you know, in the back of a Jeep or whatever, and they're being driven back to Woodbury, and she's kind of only half awake, and she's blindfolded, and... Uh, the whole scene is from her perspective, uh, so we're she's kind of in and out of consciousness, and we can just see little bits of things, hear parts of conversations. It was a pretty interesting scene, I thought. One thing that was cool is you could see a body hanging from a tree as they drove past it. Yep. Which was it was a warning to other zombies, I guess? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Don't come near here. We'll hang you. Stay away. We might hang you. Yeah. <clears throat> um, we, it ends with, uh, with the shot of, of Merle. And he's, I guess he's in the car with them, and we go to commercial. <clears throat> when we come back, Andrea and Michonne are being treated in Woodbury by Doc Stevens. Oh, that's Dr. right. Dr. Stevens, that's right. Uh, they ask about leaving, and she tells them that they need to stay the night because it's already dark out. They ask where they are, and she says, well, it's not really for me to say. Right. Which seems a little unusual. That's kind of cagey. Yeah, you know, where are, where am I? I don't know. Oh, I know it's not really you. my place to tell you. Yeah. So, well, what? She seems like she's a little bit nervous, just in general. You know, being around 
uh, being around that place. So Merle comes in. We've got a lot of Merle so far. Yeah. He comes in, and uh, he sort of tells them that when they found him, he almost killed himself because he was bleeding out, and he was in bad shape. The governor found him, took him in, and patched him up. Um, and then Andrea more or less relates to <clears throat> Merle what happened to them the last eight months. Right. Brings him up to speed. She tells him that Rick and Daryl went back for him. Uh, she relates who died, including her sister Amy. Right. And Merle seemed genuinely uh, um, concerned about that. Yeah, she was a nice kid. Yeah, exactly. He, he doesn't care about anyone else, but he liked Amy. Yeah. Um, she, she explains what they did on the farm and how Daryl stepped up and became a valued member of the group. Right. Trying to, you know, make him look good for, for Merle, I guess. Well, yeah. <laughs> He's, you know, Daryl's always been the sweet one. That's right. The sweet little brother. Uh, and she tells them, you know, where they were, where they lived, and how they got separated. Right. Uh, at, at the farm, uh, the farm, the siege on the farm. Yeah. I have no issues <clears throat> with what she, what she was doing there. Like in the, uh, you remember the preview, the four-minute preview when uh, uh, Michonne was looking at Andrea when she was giving him information? Yep. Or something like that. It looked like a, why are you telling him anything? It's, yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't get that impression from this, uh, from this scene. It seemed like... You know, why not tell them? It's all stuff that's happened. It's There's no security risk there. Tell them where the farm is. Who cares? Yeah, and he's going to want... I mean, he, he knows who she was with back then, right? So yeah. he's going to he's gonna want to know what happened, especially to yeah. his brother. And the thing in that four-minute trailer from Comic-Con earlier in the year, it, again, through some crafty editing, it appeared that Andrea was talking to the governor, not to Merle. Right. And I still think we may get more scenes in future episodes with her talking to the governor and probably Michonne being like, uh, what are you doing? Um, because if I'm not mistaken, she start, Andrea starts talking about, you know, where, uh, who, who was in the group and stuff like that. A little yeah. bit, in a little bit more detail, I think. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have any problems with that conversation either. I mean, she's got to tell him something. Right. You know, and, and it's not like it's a big deal. It's in the past. Yeah. Um, so they talk a bit more and then the governor comes in, he whispers something to Merle and then he is very friendly with Andrea mm -hmm. and Michonne. You expect him to come in and just be a total ass, but it's sort of the opposite of what happens. Nope. Now they are initially kind of hostile towards him, but, uh, uh, but he's very nice and they question why he knifed the dead helicopter guys. Yeah. Cause they think he's just a, he's just a bastard. Right. And clearly, they don't know the big secret that everybody else knows in that they're all infected. Yeah. So they've never put two and two together, and no one's really told them. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the finale from season two, and uh, where did we, where did Rick tell the group that everybody was infected? At the very end, after they were... It was after the after separation. After they separated, okay. yeah. So Andrea didn't know. Right. <clears throat> Okay. And uh, I knew this going in, but I wasn't really thinking about that during this scene. And then, uh, yeah, she said, what are you doing knifing them in the head? Those, you know, they were they were just dead. Yeah. And he's like, uh, I got to tell you something. Yeah, not so. really. <laughs> so he explains that people are all come back, whether bitten or not, of course. Yep. Um, they ask to leave, and he basically offers them supplies if they want to leave, and then uh, takes them outside. Yeah. We'll give you your weapons back. We'll give you extra ammo, food for the road, set of keys to a car if you want. Yeah. You know, whatever you need. Just wait till morning because we don't open the gates at night. Fair enough, really. Yeah. It seems I, perfectly reasonable. Perfectly reasonable. And this is what I mean. He's coming across right now 
as a pretty straight ahead, reasonable, nice guy. Yeah. So they really don't have much to worry about, it would seem. Right. So he takes them outside and he delivers his welcome to Woodbury line, yep. which, which I still liked. Um, <clears throat> they walk to the main gate, I guess, by the wall, in the wall. And Andrea can't believe how well fortified they are in this mm-hmm. place. She she asks if they're military, and uh, she and she she notes the heavy artillery that they have, right? Which they do have some uh, pretty heavy weapons, like assault <laughs> rifles and uh, and such. Well, yeah, and the governor says, "No, we're not military. Maybe one or two guys were, but like we're not. We're just a self-taught group of, group of people. Yeah, exactly. self-trained." Um, Merle here for the first time refers to him as the governor. Right. And Andrea questions whether it's a nickname or a title. Right. <laughs> Which I thought was a kind of an interesting Well, because he said nickname stick. He claimed some nicknames stick more than others. And she's like, that's not a nickname. Yeah, that's a title. Doesn't sound like a nickname to me. So she's on to him a little bit. Um, and then a couple of walkers approach from outside the gate, and they witness how efficient they are at killing approaching walkers. Yep. They got one guy with a spotlight, points it right on him, somebody else with uh, weapons to take them out. Yep. <clears throat> In this case, it was Merle. Now, what was he shooting? Was it a an arrow weapon, or was it a firearm? No, it was a, an assault rifle. It was. So he just fired a full, loud-on assault rifle? Well, it, it wasn't... It seemed like it was quieted somehow. It, it wasn't all that loud, but, uh, you know, in the open, that kind of thing wouldn't be all really that loud. It's a 5.56-millimeter uh, round. It's not a full 30-30 uh, round, which would be a lot lo- uh, louder. All right. This is, uh, it's a smaller round, like a 9-millimeter kind of thing. Okay. So one shot here, two shots here and there aren't going aren't to attract too much attention? Yeah. All right. Very good. Um, so he then takes Michonne and Andrea to a room for them to stay in. There's a hot shower, there's food, there's fresh clothes, and he ensures them that they are safe, and Andrea thanks him. Nice. So again, he's coming off like a pretty nice guy. Yeah. <clears throat> Found know? two people in the woods, gave him a bunch of medicine and uh, a room to stay and clothes and... Offered them everything cow. he has, pretty much, you know? So, uh, pretty nice. I mean, you're feeling pretty good about this well, especially guy Especially right after now. being on the road for the winter. Well, yeah, and being sick and just... Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, After we come back from a break, it's now the next morning. Andrea and Michonne are walking around town with a woman, and she tells them that they have 73 people there and a baby about to be born, making it 74. She says the walls haven't been breached in over a month, and uh, there's a curfew. Nobody goes outside after dark. Yep. So those are the rules. I mean, you need rules in a new society, new Absolutely. civilization. <clears throat> now, I wasn't totally clear on who this person was, who this woman was. We didn't get any more information on her, did we? She's the greeter. Her job <laughs> is to greet new people and to orient them. The Woodbury greeter and tour guide. Yeah. <laughs> I well, guess everyone needs a job. Uh, you know, the, and she's in charge of intake. People show up. They need to be oriented. They need to be given, uh, you know, the spiel, what's going on, what's happening, and... Uh, all that kind of stuff. So that's uh, that's her. she had a clipboard and everything. Yes, she did. Did we ever get her name? I uh, don't. Not that I recall. I don't think so. Uh, what was the name of the uh, the greeter on uh, Love Boat? God, I don't I'm know. That's what I'm going to call her from now I, on. I have not wa- ever watched a full episode of the Love Boat. I'm flabbergasted. Flabber- flabbergasted. I've seen my fair share of Gilligan's Island and Three's Company and other such shows, but Love Boat was never my thing. Huh. Uh, so the greeter tells them all this, I suppose, 
Um, and then we cut to the governor talking to the helicopter pilot, who, if you remember, survived. So they brought him back, and he's recovering in the hospital. Julie, that's her name. <coughs> Julie. Ju- uh, cruise director Julie McCoy from The Love Boat. Her name is now Julie. All right. Until <laughs> otherwise. That's right. You know, until we find out otherwise. Yeah. Uh, talking to the helicopter pilot, tells him the governor insures, no, assures him. Assures. Insures him, gives him insurance right then and there. (laughs) That's right. Accidental loss of your legs. Limbs. Uh, He assures him that they'll go find his team and bring them back to safety because he's part of a military team that uh, recently sort of lost their fortified location and were on the road. Yeah, they got overrun, and then they uh, they took off. They took off, took the helicopter up to scout ahead. We know how that ended up, and uh, so those guys are just hanging around waiting there. The governor's going to go get them and bring them back. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's nice of them. So after, yeah, it's very nice. So after he leaves uh, the uh, infirmary there with the pilot, he goes to some, he walks around town, goes to some sort of laboratory. Yeah. Um, Merle is there with Milton, Milton, that's his name? Milton. Do we have an actor's name? Milton. Yeah, that's Dallas Roberts. Dallas Roberts. I know him from somewhere, and I couldn't <clears> find it this morning. We talked about him on a previous episode when he was cast. He, oh, he yeah. has been in some other stuff, some other stuff that you have seen. 310 to Yuma. There you go. The Gray. Yeah, now I got it. See? This is all good. Well, his name is Milton, <clears throat> and uh, before Milton does anything, Merle updates the governor on Andrea and tells him, and the gov tells him to talk to her more and see what else he can find out. Mm-hmm. So Milton has been examining the pets that uh, I guess they also brought back from the helicopter crash site, and he realizes what Michonne had done in terms of removing their ability to eat and grab and uh, using them <coughs> as camouflage, basically. Right. Yeah. The governor is very impressed with this. He is, very and we impressed. get a term for the first time. Calls oh, them lurkers. He calls them lurkers. Yeah. What did Milton call them? He said, well, they just, they lost their, it was something about the, they lost their drive to eat, lost their appetite. Uh, they were basically just lazy. I forget the term he used, but then uh, the governor said lurkers. I'm like, well, lazy. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> which, which is nice. Uh, I like that uh, that explanation of them. When you take away their ability to eat, yep. they lose the drive to eat, and they just sit there. Yep. They, and they lurk. And rather, they lurk. Rather than walking. Yeah, exactly. He he also reveals that they actually starve, but much slower than living people. Yeah. Which was interesting. So we have a lifespan on uh, zombies. I, I guess so. I mean, if they... If they can starve, they can starve to death. Mm, I don't know. I think they may be able to starve to immobility, so they maybe cannot even move. And at that point, they've that's fine. become the extreme lurker. Yeah, it makes it easier, for sure. Uh, I don't know that they actually expire without that brain injury. Right. But yeah, he calls them lurkers. That was exciting. <clears throat> um, and then... They continue talking a little bit, and while he's talking, the governor goes over and examines a cardboard mock-up of the town. Yeah. It reminded me of Doc Brown and his oh, mock-up yeah. in Back to the Future 2. That'd be awesome. Uh, or Back to the Future 1. Is there, is there a clock tower? There's a water tower. I saw a water tower. I didn't see a clock tower. No clock tower. Back to the Future 1, not 2. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they didn't really reference it. He was just there, kind of touching it, examining it. Well, there was a fence around, and it looked like it was the fence was made out of copper. So maybe they're <clears> making an electrified fence around the town. <coughs> well, 
or they're just keeping a model of the town to keep track of where the walls need work or where they can expand and things like that. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Um, they also made reference to tea. Uh, the governor said he really needs uh, Milton's tea. And I'm going to read an email here from Margaret from the internet. She wrote in, In Woodbury, I had a WTF moment with the tea. The governor and scientist referenced it many times. It seems to be a main point of the town. There seems to be something in it. Maybe something that keeps the town members submissive. So they did mention it a couple of times. And later on in the episode, which we'll get to... um, Andrea, I mean, he's serving Andrea and Michonne tea over breakfast. Yeah. Um, it and it's a little strange that the governor would say to Milton, you know, I need, I need you, and I need your tea especially. Huh. So, is are they are they manufacturing something here that they're feeding to the people and keeping them, I don't know, complacent, or keeping them townshipy, or or constantly sleepy or something so they I don't, don't run off or do anything like that well tea makes you sleepy right does I, it I don't unless know. it's got caffeine i really don't know i'm not a tea drinker interesting that they brought it up so many times yeah. i wonder if it's going to come back or if there's something to that or if it was just idle banter between friends <laughs> uh, a writer's room inside joke yeah maybe someone drinks a lot of tea who knows oh let's talk about tea it was a little weird, though. So uh, we go to the breakfast scene that I was just mentioning with Andrea, Michonne, the governor, and Milton mm-hmm. at this scene. Um, and they talk about how Milton has a theory that there may be a trace of the person still inside zombies like an echo. Yeah. Which we know to be true. Which we already know to be true. We yep. figured this out in season one. Yeah. Um, because of things like RV Inspector Zombie. Yeah, and... Uh uh, Morgan's wife. And Morgan's she wanted wife. to get in the house. Exactly. Um, so, obviously they listen to this podcast and they're incorporating our ideas into the show. That's the only <laughs> explanation I can come uh, up with. Yeah, that, uh, that's the ticket. <laughs> that's it right there. Well, um, they continue talking for a while and we also see Michonne's sword in the glass, in a glass case on the wall, mm-hmm. which I'm like, that's sort of weird. What's that doing up there? Well, it's a, a, a role-playing video game standard. <laughs> it is? Yeah. Good, the good weapons are in glass cases. All right. Keep them safe. Keep them dust-free. Keep them uh, visible to the player characters to try and get somehow. Either pick the lock, break the, break the glass, do something. But, uh, yeah, all the good stuff is in glass cases. Entice people and tempt them. That's right. Don't hide them away because then the players will just miss them. Yeah, that's right. They'll, they'll just forget about them. Yeah. Uh, so Milton also asks about the pets, but Michonne doesn't reveal anything, who they are, he wants to know. Oh, but he, but, but she does. She does? So her reaction to his questions, you know, he jumps to correct conclusions, yes. in my opinion, correct so you, conclusions. You're right. But I'd have to <laughs> reference, uh, other materials in order to validate the, uh, the correct conclusions. Right, 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 right. So he jumps to a bunch of conclusions, which, uh, he, he assumes to be correct. Yeah, I suppose her non-answer was answer enough. Um, but my point is she has barely had a line. She hasn't said anything. She's not talking to any of these people, whereas Andrea is just blabbing constantly about everything. Did uh, Michonne have the tea? I do not believe Michonne had the tea. Wow. And this is another thing about this tea. Andrea was sucking it back. Michonne, she also got so uh, an injection uh, as soon as she got there as well. Yep. Maybe this tea is a uh, blabbermouth tea. 
some kind of blab <laughs> blabbing potion <laughs> a uh true a uh, potion of truth truth serum there we go <laughs> <laughs> a potion of blabbermouth you don't it, people in, in the real modern world don't use the word potion very often for uh, medicine <laughs> really wait till i get into miscability <laughs> <laughs> it was a potion of truth yep um now what happens uh michonne asks about you know what their secret is here and if they think that the walls will hold and the first thing the governor says is, well, our secret is really big walls. Yep. But then he goes on to actually kind of answer her question. The real secret is what goes on within these walls. It's about getting back to who we were, who we really are. Not just waiting to be saved. And people here have homes, medical care, kids go to school. Adults have jobs to do. It's a sense of purpose. We're a community. With a lot of guns and ammunition. Never hurts. And really big walls. And men willing to risk everything to defend them. Compromise our safety. Destroy our community. I'll die before I let that happen. Man, I I love his voice. Yeah, it was really nice. And he, she said really big walls, right? I didn't... Really big walls. Yeah, okay. Then she was referencing back to his mention of really big walls. Yeah. Uh, but I love his voice and the way he delivers the lines. I just absolutely love. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the character that I wanted to wanted to have <clears throat> in the uh, in this show. Yeah, let's let's talk about him a little bit before we we, we move on. Um, just briefly, I I think David Morrissey did a great job. I posted on Facebook last night after the show what to find out what people sort of thought, and I haven't read all sixty or odd so comments, but uh, some people seem to really like him. Some people not so much. Yep. I think he did a fine, fine job. I think he did a fine job, too. From the uh, the actor spotlight we did a while ago now, I guess. It was in the summer, wasn't it? It was. Um, we, you know, there was two kind of sides to David Morrissey. There was that, uh, that dark... Uh, the dark side where he was very, uh, you know, used his lower register and was very serious. And then there was that kind of flighty, uh, happy-go-lucky side. Mm -hmm. And that side I didn't like. Right. And so I was hoping for this dark, serious side, and that's absolutely what we're getting. So I am uh, way on board. Love his voice, love the way he delivers the line and uh, the he, lines, and just the look of him I, I like, too. And he seems perfectly reasonable. That's right. At He's, this point. He seems like a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We got this town here. Everything's humming along. Tickety-boo. Nobody's been hurt in a while. Uh, you know, if you want stuff, you take stuff. We got plenty here. We, you know, we can uh, you know, join the community. Don't join the community. If you want to leave, we'll help you out. If you stay, we'll uh, welcome you with open arms. Everything is uh, hunky-dory. Well, everything is hunky-dory. Then a knock comes at the kitchen door, and the governor has to leave. We don't really know why, but it's not important. Stuff to do. He has to go do stuff. He's running the place. Michonne asks about their weapons again, and again, he tells them that they can leave any time, but he suggests they might want to stick around and see if they like what they see in Woodbury. Yep. Um, so another commercial when we come back. Andrea and Michonne are walking down the street and talking about whether to trust him. Andrea is clearly a lot more ready to give Woodbury a chance. <clears throat> um, she also says that she doesn't know anything about Michonne. They've been together for all this time, but... She just feels like she doesn't know her. And Michonne comes across really cold in this scene. Mm -hmm. I mean, in, in all the scenes, kind of. But especially this one where you think this is her friend. She's been with her for so long. She might open up a little bit here, but she doesn't really. She's nope. like, nope, I don't trust him. And uh, 
they talk about killing the the pets back at the helicopter, and she said it was easier than you think. Yeah. So she's she's badass. She's all business. All business. She's got to keep. Uh, she keeps her shit together. She uh, <laughs> she keeps her guard up. She keeps uh, she keeps it where she needs it in order to survive. She sure does. I wouldn't want to get on her bad side. Uh, no. And her bad side is anywhere in front of her with her blade open or out. <laughs> Pretty much. That's the bad or side. Or behind her anywhere. I think she may only have bad sides. If, uh, <laughs> that if would she, be a good side. Good side would be... Uh, if she doesn't like you. Uh, cowering behind a tree stump. Maybe. <laughs> exactly. While she's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And on another continent. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to the helicopter pilot's people who are just hanging around a field somewhere. Yep. Uh, a car approaches... With a guy with a wave, waving a white flag out out the window, and uh, he gets out and he stands there and he's all friendly and he's like, "Hey, we found your man. He's back. We've got a group of people. You know, everything's gonna be fine. Uh, you know, the other guys didn't make it. I'm sorry, but um, you know, you should you should come with us." But instead, he shoots the guy. Yeah, and then. I guess the rest of his governor cronies who are hiding in the forest around the clearing yep. open fire and they managed to take out all of the military guys. That's correct. This was probably the worst scene in three seasons. I've got so many problems with this scene. It was so... Uh, let, let me start with two I, emails here. I want to write it completely out of continuity, and let's just uh, talk about the fact that uh, that this happened instead of showing anything, because this was horrible. Let, let me read two emails we got from listeners right. here. Uh, this comes from Chum Lee Murphy, and it's actually a holy crap, did you see that moment? But it fits in right here, so I'm going to take it out of that section for this. And he says, my holy crap moment was when the governor outright shot the poor corporal but not just that, the lack of training the soldiers displayed when they were ambushed. <laughs> I know they were tired but not and not expecting it, but still. And then Jeff from the internet writes in, so soldiers in the zombie apocalypse are just going to stand there and look stupid while they are getting shot at. Bad. Lame. Yeah. And I agree with both of those things totally. Um, first of all, there were more of them yep. than the guys in the forest. Fully armed. Fully armed, yeah. Full like, you know, military gear. It's except, not like they had for their... the shirtless, topless guy. Well, except but he for was that. muscular, so yeah, bullets, bullets bounce off him. It's like the Hulk, <laughs> exactly. The Hulk was there, yeah. Um, and they just stood around and all got shot. Okay, so here's here's my. I've got four problems with this. Mm, let's distinct do it. specific problems. One: soldiers out in the field in a single area for at least a day. And they're not dug in. I don't think so. Yep. Uh, the soldiers, when they <laughs> sit tight someplace, they find cover. They, if they don't have cover, they make cover. Uh, they do something. They circle the vehicles in a circle. And uh, okay, so that's one problem. They would have dug in. Uh, there was also a hill behind them that mm-hmm. would would have made perfect cover. <clears throat> mm-hmm. They would have been all over that hill. Uh, okay, second even, one. Even if it was just higher ground. Yes. I mean that helps. Yeah, higher ground, yep. more cover. They're just standing there like. Friggin' income poops. <laughs> All right, so uh, they also didn't have any scouts out uh, because uh, the rest of the governor's crew seemed to have some kind of invisibility spell that allowed them to completely sneak up on them. Yeah, and it wasn't even that small a clearing. It's like, it was a pretty big area, yeah. and it's not like there was dense forest right around it either. Yeah. It, 
it's like those guys were invisible. Okay, so it is possible to cover that kind of ground uh, stealthily. And uh, when I was in basic training for, I was 17 at the time, this was way back when, uh, I was in basic training in CFB Petawawa near Ottawa, and uh, we had to get across this field that was about three kilometers long. And, they, and he said, I'm going to be on the other side of this field watching for you. And basically, we spent the next six hours crawling through this grass. And uh, it was very slow going. The kind of ground that they had to cover would have taken hours for them to get into position. They didn't have ghillie suits. Do you know what a ghillie suit is? No. A ghillie suit is uh, what snipers (laughs) use. It's uh, basically a suit that, uh, or a covering, mesh covering that they use to stick in uh, foliage from around them so Uh that they look like grass or trees or bush or whatever. Right. And they move painstakingly slowly. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to draw attention to yourself. One limb at a time at a maximum three inches per like 10 seconds or 30 seconds or something. It is excruciatingly slow and takes a lot of practice and training. This did not happen. No, it did not. They just kind of walked up and all of a sudden, oh my God, they're visible. And these trained professional soldiers were not watching, looking, scouting, reconnoitering, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. That's actually points two and three. Is that uh, there? There was no scouts on the perimeter. Nobody was doing the proper soldiery things, mm-hmm. and they were able to. Uh, the governor's people were able to sneak on, up on them. Yep. Bad. The last problem I have is the fact that the governor uh, seems to have individual, uh, you know, all by himself, gotten the drop on all these soldiers. Yeah, I, they all turned around at the same time. I don't know why. Hey, we got the guy. Blah blah blah, and he shoots him in 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 the chest. Should have shot him in the head. I mean, there's headshots. Obviously, everybody's trained to do headshots. He's the only guy in this in this show that can't make a headshot. Yeah, so uh, he would not have. They would not have gotten the drop on these professional soldiers that were armed and waiting for him. Absolutely, some he would have been killed. Yes, he would have been shot. The soldiers would have at least got one shot off. You know, at the very least. And my my fifth problem, the fifth problem, is that uh, first of all, the governor came in way too fast. Uh, coming in that fast to a group of armed soldiers would have gotten their or their guard up immediately. Yeah. As soon as he got out of the he, he wouldn't have been allowed out of the car first of all. As soon as he opened the door, they would have rushed him and thrown him to the ground and controlled him. Well, of course. Because he's a threat yes. and he's moving very very fast. They would have uh, completely overwhelmed and controlled that guy immediately. And I've had this happen to me. I know. And I've had it happen by the military and the police. <laughs> The, in the military in practice, the police was not my fault. Of course. You were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, the police, uh, <laughs> look up, uh, what, what's it called? It's um, yeah, it's swatting. A, it's I, a, got, I got swatted. Somebody yes. made a prank phone call that appeared to come from my phone number, and the police broke down my door and uh, realized it wasn't me that had uh, called 911 and it, threatened to kill my mother. It's a very exciting story. Yeah, it was a very good story. Uh, maybe I'll tell it on the Facebook page. But it was, uh, so... Basically, when you do something to threaten a group of professional people with guns, they control you. Of course. He was not under their control. These soldiers were the worst soldiers ever to have picked up a weapon. The only thing I can say here, possibly in their defense, is that we know they were hunkered down somewhere for the last eight or nine months, right? So they were somewhere semi-safe for a long time. And then they got overrun and they had to leave. So... They obviously had supplies with them, 
but maybe they didn't quite have what they needed. Maybe they were out of practice. Maybe they were just, you know, they had just got there, just got there and they were still figuring out what to do. Or maybe they just weren't quite thinking straight because they were day one in the zombie apocalypse, essentially without a safe place to be. Yeah. Soldiers are trained to deal with this situation, by the way. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like, it, the whole scene was so ill-conceived that I'm, I'm trying to make up a reason that it works, but it just doesn't. No matter how good the plan, this is a military adage, no matter how good the plan is, it does not survive contact with the enemy. Nothing goes as planned. Nothing is cut and dried. Nothing is organized. Everything is a clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Well, this scene certainly was. Yes. I, I couldn't believe that they, they played it out like this in the show. You know, if these were a bunch of just people, like settlers, that happened to have a helicopter for some reason. Oh, yeah, a bunch of schmucks you know, on the road would be great. Then it would work. You know, you drive up like crazy, you 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 sort of overwhelm them, right, with your arrival and stuff, and they don't know what to do. But these are soldiers. You know what? I was in, uh, you know, I, I took basic training. I was in a, uh, the reserves. I was 17. I, you know, I, basic training was two weeks, okay? Mm-hmm. And the, one of the first things they teach you is when you're in an ambush, if you're walking down the road and you get ambushed, you know what you're supposed to do? Mm, what? Run. Oh. You're supposed to run and get through the enemy lines. I was going to say stop, drop, and roll. No. A successful ambush ambush kills everybody that they're ambushing. An unsuccessful ambush kills 90%. Right. Somebody gets away. Yeah. So you just run. Get through their lines, confuse them. All you do is just go. You do not stand your ground. Right. Okay. Well... So I don't know. Can't explain it. Can't explain it. It was a horrible, horrible <laughs> scene. They're, they're, they got ambushed in their own position. Well, yeah. Okay. And they barely even had a position. They were just standing around. Yeah. <clears throat> it was, just was a dumb scene. It was dumb. But um, we come back from a commercial that happens right after it, and the crew, the governor's crew, is driving back into Woodbury. All the vehicles are showing up. They drive right into the main town square. And the governor gets up on a car and delivers an impassioned speech about saving people. Yeah. <laughs> He's a bit of a dick. He seems like a bit of a dick now, anyway. Yeah, a little bit. Um, he lies to everybody <clears throat> that walkers got there first. And he says that they'll honor their sacrifice by not uh, taking what they have in Woodbury for granted. But they will take all the supplies and stuff <laughs> that they had, the military yeah. guys had. Um, so he's, you know, he's being a charismatic leader here and he's giving people the hope and morale that he thinks they need yeah but he's revealing himself to the viewer as kind of a dick yeah well we needed that reveal we did at this point i mean we're two-thirds of the way or three-quarters of the way through the episode and we still think he seems like a really nice guy you know now, now there was uh can, can i reference uh uh the rise of the governor sure Okay, so in the, in the rise of the governor, the backstory of uh, of the governor apparently is canon for the television show as well as the comic book, and it kind of explains why he wouldn't uh, trust the military and why he wouldn't want to go to them and say, you know, look, we got a, uh, we have a town, you know, we could use your help, professional that, soldiers. That's the other thing, professional soldiers like would be extremely useful to a town like Woodbury, you would think. Not just the supplies. Not just the supplies. They're trained soldiers. Their expertise. Now, they showed themselves to be useless, but he didn't know that. He didn't know that. <laughs> in fact, yeah, he must have been watching them for days in order to find out that they were useless boobs. Yeah. Because it's the only explanation, really. Yep. Uh, but the rise of the governor it kind of explains the last you know, chapter or so, kind of explains why he wouldn't uh, trust the military. Right. 
So that's the the only thing I can come up with was why he wouldn't just show up and say, "Hey, we got your buddy. Uh, you know, we got a town. You come with us." Sure. I mean, yeah, he he doesn't trust them, I guess. But I mean, who's that dumb? Like, who's that dumb to w- think they can walk in there and pull something like that? Yeah. Um. Anyways, this speech he gives, he's he's sort of you know giving people morale. And it works on Andrea. You can sort of see she's buying into what he's selling. She's drinking the tea. She is drinking the tea, clearly. Uh, He gets down from the truck, and as they walk away, Andrea asks if there's anything she can do to help out around there. And he says, nope, just go home, get some rest. And uh, she asks what his real name is. Yeah. And he says, I never tell. And she says, never say never. And then he pauses and takes a couple steps forward, and he says, never. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a double layer thing too, right? Not only does he want to not want to tell her his name, he also doesn't want to tell anybody his real name. Well, that's right. He doesn't want to tell anything about that. <clears throat> but uh, I thought maybe he was going to say, you know, the name. I thought maybe he was going to say his name. Right. But nope, he is the governor and that is that. So the T is uh, obviously, you're right, a truth serum of some kind, at least uh, as something that keeps you open to suggestion mm-hmm. because uh, he's able to not only get somebody to talk like hey ask a question and if you're open to suggestion you're like well sure blah 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 yeah but also uh accept his uh garbage speeches as uh gospel for sure now i i don't know that his speech was all that bad like it was a good leader speech no, it was right? good. it's pretty good you don't necessarily need someone to have been drinking the tea to buy into it but i guess it doesn't help i mean it doesn't hurt, hurt. <clears throat> yeah it doesn't hurt um, so, uh, the governor goes inside to his house, I guess. He's looking out the window. He closes the blinds, turns around, walks past a bed with a woman sleeping in it. Mm-hmm. Now, I think this might've been the greeter woman. Yeah, that was Julie. <clears throat> that was her. Okay. I wasn't entirely sure, but I think so. That's part of her, uh... You know, her duties, it's part of I her guess. job description. Yeah. Greet everyone, organize newcomers, and nail the governor. Yeah. Uh, he goes to a dresser, looks at a picture of him with a woman and child. Yep. And uh, seems a little upset. He goes through a door into another room and sits down in a nice, comfy-looking leather chair. That seemed like a nice chair. <clears throat> he did. He has, a, he has a glass of whiskey or something with him the whole time. Brown Kool-Aid. There you go. Um, he sits down, and he's looking at his drink, and we can hear kind of bubbling sounds coming Yep. From somewhere. And uh, he looks up, and the camera pans over to a bunch of zombie heads in water lined up against the opposite wall in uh, three rows. Fish tanks. Fish tanks, yeah. Zombie heads in fish tanks. He's staring at them like a big bank of TVs. Yep. And uh, the pilot's head that I guess they killed before or after he went and killed all the soldiers is in the top one. So were the uh, the two heads of the uh, the pets? Were the pets heads in pets there? Pets were in there as well. Okay, so he's got zombie heads and non-zombie heads in his fish tanks. Uh, he might have been a zombie head after he cut it off. I suppose he might have been. Yeah, killed the guy. His head reanimated, and yep. then he put him in water. Why he would do that, I'm not quite sure. And I don't that, understand it. And that's where the episode ends. So yeah, what's he doing? I have a theory on what he's doing. Well, tell me your theory, because I got nothing. I think he's sitting there desensitizing himself to the appearance of zombies. You think so? I think he's sitting there staring at this wall of severed heads, which is disgusting and, and, you know, horrible. Um, And no one would really ever want to do that. But he seems to not necessarily enjoy it, 
but he seems to like I got the feeling he's been doing this a lot. Yeah. You know, he's been sitting there a lot. He's been looking at those heads every night, drinking his whiskey this, after having sex with Julie. Yeah, this is how uh, this is how my cats do stuff, right? When, they, <laughs> when you throw something on the television that involves birds or fish, they just sit there and watch. Or you know, the outside world as well. At night, for some reason, they stare out the back window <coughs> at whatever I don't even know what, and it's television for them. Yeah, they love it. They just sit there and look. Yeah, and this is what the governor is doing. He's basically it's his TV. He's just sitting there looking at the zombie heads, uh, like it's telling him a story. Well, it, maybe it is in his mind. You know, he's remembering all the kills he's made. <clears throat> uh, well, no, because not uh, you know the two pet zombies weren't kills of yeah, his. That's that's true. So it's not even like trophies <coughs> God. of a serial killer dying over thing. Um, no, it's not trophies i think maybe he's just taking in the horror of it all and desensitizing himself to it a little bit so he can so he can operate live and operate in this world without you know forming attachments or feeling bad or or anything like that yeah i don't know i think that might be what uh what's going on here maybe he throws sea monkeys in there to see what happens and he's just watching the sea monkeys swimming around their heads i don't know um i don't know it was weird it was weird but the episode ends right there. So by the end of the episode, we know that this governor guy isn't such a nice cat after all. Yeah. Uh, even though he really started out that way. Now, I have a couple of uh, questions and points here about this episode. First of all, was it jarring to not have our main core group of characters in this episode at all? We had no Rick and the gang at the prison. Um, <clears throat> no, but I was sort of half <coughs> expecting that. Yeah, so I didn't find it too jarring because uh, just because we had so little uh, Andrea and Michonne and none of the governor before, uh, I didn't find that jarring. I figured it would be a kind of a switch thing. It would be like you know uh, story A or story B, and eventually we'll get story A B. Well, yeah, I thought we might do in this episode. I wasn't expecting much either, but I thought we might do a little bit sort of like we did in the first one or first two first one where we got mostly Rick and everybody at the prison with two or three scenes of Andrea and Michonne here we'd get mostly Woodbury or mostly what's going on with with them and then a couple of scenes just so people don't forget everybody at the prison I'm trying to think of other shows that have done that Lost would Lost do complete uh you know a story completely severed from the previous week and then come back? Well, I, I don't... I, this doesn't probably. seem like this is the first time this has happened in television. No, I'm no, I'm trying no. to remember anything that uh, that has done this. I don't know that I'll be able to come up with anything off the top of my mind, but Lost is probably a good example of that. There were enough characters on that where you'd go, you know, without seeing a particular character yeah. at, at for a whole episode. Um, I, I certainly don't think it's the full first time, but it is the first time we've done something like this on, on The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, it's also sort of the first time... Uh, we've really, I think, anyways, had main characters that are completely separated from each other like this in, under, you know, with two completely separate pl- plot lines happening. So, right. you know, I don't think we'll get much more of this. They're going to come together again very quickly. Um, but uh, I was a little bit surprised to see, to not have any scenes with Rick and just find out what's going on with Herschel, you know? Yeah. See what see what he's been, see if he's awake or not. Maybe next week. <clears throat> Maybe next week. Um, now the other thing about this episode is it was it wasn't as action heavy as the first two in season three. There were definitely some zombie kills and some crazy stuff happening with a helicopter crashing and, and stuff like that. But 
it wasn't, it was much more talky and uh, not a lot of action or, you know, uh, sort of spectacle. Yeah. That said, uh, I think it was maybe the best episode of season three so far because I was riveted the whole time and I think it was a just the perfect balance of of zombie killing and exposition giving us more information. I thought it was a nice change of pace mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, we've been, uh, uh, with the last two episodes, we've been kind of like, uh, let's either completely on the road without any kind of community support or mm-hmm. infiltrating a prison where it's all dank and dirty and there's zombies and bodies and gore and everything, where this change of pace where you got a shower, uh, a bed, change of clothes... Uh, organization, happy people, pregnant people that are like, hey, well, hi, how you doing? Happy pregnant people, happy not pregnant people. Bitchy pregnant people. And, uh, you know, we got Julie, the greeter. Yeah. yeah. She's the cruise director. It was a little bit of a return to civility in some yeah. ways, right? At least for most of it. <clears throat> um, but I just thought it was a, like, a lot of new information was delivered in this episode, yeah. more so than in the first two of the season. And... You know, in season two, yes, the first half was slow. The second half picked it up again. The beginning of season three, it was all action, all like, you know, moving forward, you know, no time to sort of slow down. And this episode took it back a little bit. We stayed in one place. We talked a lot. We, you know, did some killing. We saw some gore. We got a lot of new information. I thought they really balanced it very nicely in this episode. I don't think I can go as far as to say that it was the best episode of the season. Just that whole soldier scene thing was such a detraction from uh, the quality of the show for this particular episode that I'm not, I I can't, I can't, I'm not there. I can't get there. I I agree. The soldier thing was so bad that it took away from the whole episode. Um, But the whole thing as a, as a concept, I think worked a little bit better than the episodes that are all exposition versus all action and fighting. So now that the uh, the soldiers are all dead, we can move on. We we can, they're all dead and that's that. Um, I also thought it was interesting how they, they really went out of their way to explain how the zombie pets of Michonne's worked in this episode. Yeah. Why she had them, what they were doing, and why it worked. Yep. I thought that was interesting because I know a lot of wa- uh, viewers out there were like, what's the deal with those zombies? Why is she walking around with them? So I guess they had to do that to a certain extent. Yeah. And the only other thing I noticed about this episode is that all of the governor's crew, including Merle at times, seemed to look a little unsure and a little nervous and a little unsettled every time the governor does something weird. Or terrible, or even when he's just around, you know. When so. he, yeah, when he killed, um, when he killed all the soldiers, <laughs> and <laughs> then uh, and then one was running away, and he took out a rifle and shot him in the back. You know, the all of his crew was sort of standing around, and they were all a little bit unsure of of yeah. things here. What? And people seemed to walk on eggshells when they were around the governor. Oh yeah, you know. He, he strikes me as the kind of guy that seems perfectly rational until he's not. Until he's not, yeah. Milton, same way, you know. Uh, walking on eggshells when he was in the room. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I think I think they all know that he's a little bit batshit crazy, but no one wants to say anything because they figure they know what happens to people that dissent. When, uh, when the governor shot the guy in the back, the last soldier that ran away for some reason, uh, what did he tell... Tim to do, or Tom, or whatever his name was. Yeah, he handed him a knife and told him to go stab him with it, but he, 
He said, "Go stab him in the knees." Something like that. Stab, I go. I couldn't get it either. I'm going to watch it on the sub on the uh, closed captioning later and see what he said. But it I couldn't understand it that. It seemed kind of weird. It's like, here, go uh, stab him in the knees. Like, what? <laughs> There's something weird like that, though. Well, you know what it was. Here's what happened. He was uh, what it was pretty far away from him. He he obviously got a headshot with that rifle from you know 100 meters or whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, so he was dead, and he knew he wasn't coming back, and he just wanted that. Uh, red pants guy to feel good about himself and you know get his morale up a little more so he said here go stab that guy a bit you'll feel fun that'll be fun for you <laughs> yeah <sighs> i don't know i don't know oh it's, and when the soldiers when uh when the governor first showed up and the soldier picked up his rifle and put the sling over his shoulder he wouldn't never do that that sling is for carrying your rifle when you're not about to use it it's not to stabilize it when you need it you take the sling off and you hold the rifle you don't put the sling around your neck. You mean when when the governor picked up the gun? No, with the as soon as the governor showed up, the one of the head oh. soldier dude took his rifle up, put the sling and put it around his uh, his shoulder. Then the governor had to cut it off later. Right, so right. You don't do that. That's yeah. not something you do. Obviously, they did not have any kind of military consultant <coughs> on set or in the writers' room or anywhere near this thing. I just wish one of those soldiers before he died would have said something like. It's our first day, you know. (laughs) So we just woke up and we all have amnesia. We don't know why we're here, what we're doing. Why are we holding these long sticks? Yeah, we. I don't know. It was it was terrible, but overall, I liked the episode. I think there was there was a lot good about it, just with one black. Yeah, like I said right at the beginning, if I just took that and wrote it out of continuity and and just at the you know go right to the speech. Where he lied, even if we knew it was a lie, let's just uh, let's just pretend that happened, and that this whole scene never happened, and then the episode is great. Would have been great. All right, that is our recap of uh, uh, Walk with Me, episode three from season three. We are going to take a short break, unless you've got anything else to talk about on this episode. Well, maybe a little later. Maybe later. All right, we're going to take a short break to thank our sponsor for this show. When we come back. We will have listener feedback, and of course, holy crap, did you see that, so stay tuned. You say the sky is green, I don't know what you mean. Your lies were always clear, but I don't mind. No, I don't mind. I don't mind. Go on. Talking Dead is brought to you by Audible. For the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Jason, what is your book recommendation for the fine people this week? All right, before I give the recommendation, okay. I'm going to give you some stats. I like, I like stats. Okay, <clears throat> these are my stats. I signed up for Audible four years ago, Okay, so since September of 2008. So far, I've uh, I've got in my library 278 books. That's not bad, man. That's uh, that's a lot of books in there. I've listened to most of them, almost 2,100 hours so far of audiobook that I've listened to from Audible, <laughs> which is really nothing compared to the hundred thousand titles they have oh, in their catalog. I don't even think that that's possible to listen to their entire catalog in a single lifetime. No, personally. I wouldn't think so. But you're doing pretty well. I'm trying. doing pretty well, and I'm giving it a try. So. 
right now I'm listening to It by Stephen King, and I recommended this last week, but I hadn't started it yet. Okay. So now I've started it, and uh, the reason I'm giving you the stats is that uh, the this book that I'm listening to right now is by not a small margin the best thing I've listened to from Audible. And the performance by the uh, the narrator, Stephen Weber, is by far the most amazing performance I've heard uh, coming out of Audible content. By far. By far. <clears throat> wow. I'm so enjoying this book. It is fantastic. I've never read it before. Uh, this is the best thing I've uh, come across by, from Stephen King, and I've read a lot of his books. So that's why I wanted to give you the stats. This book, It, is amazing. I'm absolutely loving it. And I'm on section two of six, so I'm about uh, 10 hours into a 40-hour book. Well, that is a lot of hours for one book, and, and, uh, but you've convinced me. I may have to, <laughs> I may have to try it myself. Yeah. That's amazing. Good book. All right. If you want to get It or <clears throat> any other of Stephen King's books, or like I said, 100,000 titles are lots to choose from, <clears throat> head over to audibletrial.com slash talkingdead. That's audibletrial.com slash talkingdead for It or any other free audio book. Listener feedback. Uh, okay, we got some listener feedback. Before we dive into it, I want to let everyone know that uh, we do get a fair amount of listener feedback from people sending in emails, and I don't read it all on the show, partly for time, partly for, well, mostly for time, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I do collect it all, and... I'm saving it. It's all sitting there in the email. It's marked for future consideration. And what that means is during the uh, holiday hiatus between, you know, halfway through season three, we will do at least one, maybe two, all listener feedback shows. Cool. <clears throat> so any of this, any if your email doesn't make it on the show now, it very well may over the break. So uh, I apologize that I can't read it all right away but we'll try to get to as much of it as we can because I do love reading it. Everyone brings up interesting points and thoughts, and it's, uh, it's only fair that we try to cram in as much as we can without doing six-hour podcasts every week. Sweet. So just so you know, keep sending it in, and we will try to do some all-listener feedback shows over the break. All right. Our first email this week comes from Danny in England uh, about the governor, and this is kind of spoilery for the comic, so I should let everyone know that before I read it. Spoilers for the Walking Dead comic here as they relate to the governor. Mm. Danny writes, <clears throat> I read somewhere that he likes to put walkers and humans together to fight gladiator style, so I have a prediction, and I don't uh, want it to happen, but I think it's a possibility. I think the governor could put Daryl through a series of tests against walkers, recognizing him as one of the stronger ones in the group. And I think this is where Daryl would meet an untimely end, because I'm guessing the writers will want us to really hate the bad guy um, uh, b because he'll be the one responsible for one of the favorite character deaths. Ooh, that'd be uh, that'd be a tough pill to swallow. Yes, it would. Um, to have Daryl go into the <laughs> ring against zombies and actually not come out. 
<clears throat> yeah. I would not be happy about that. Nobody would be happy about that. No, the danger there is people uh, throwing something the TV and saying, screw you, I'm not watching this show anymore. Yeah, the danger there is the backlash, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but no publicity is bad publicity. So if they killed Daryl in the ring, boy, that would be something. Yep. That would be something. It really, really would. <clears throat> uh, all right. Nikki from New York sent in this call. She called in. Here's what Nikki had to say. Hi, my name is Nikki from upstate New York, and there was a couple of things I just wanted to talk to you guys about. First one is the walker and the handcuffs. I really don't think that he was using logic or reasoning in anything. I think it was, hey, there's a piece of food in front of me that I haven't seen anything like that in 10 months. So I think that's why he did what he did. And then I just wanted to bring up the thing with Rick and Lori. I don't think that it's going to get better. I think that was basically a divorce without the paperwork. Uh, you guys are doing a great job, and I love listening to you. Thanks. Bye. All right. So, uh, handcuff zombie. I I agree with her. I don't think there was any reason there. I think, and this is kind of what I was trying to say last week, unsuccessfully, maybe that I think he was just. I haven't seen anything to eat in ten months because I've been stuck in this stupid prison. I'm just going to strain against these handcuffs, and my hand is rotted enough that it's going to rip off. Right. He didn't know that was going to happen. It just was a lucky break. Well, I think you you, you did. You know, state that successfully last week. I'm just so damn stubborn that I just <laughs> refuse to relent. Now, then again, if um, if these zombies do have echoes of who they used to be, he if he was a prisoner, he may have been very used to wearing handcuffs and therefore knew that if he pulled hard enough, they would come off. See, that point I could get on board with. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Rick and Lori, Nikki thinks they're divorced, they're done. I kind of get that feeling, too. Yeah, I don't know. But then this is TV, and they like a happy ending. So, oh, yeah, right. This show likes a happy ending? Hey, TV in general likes a happy ending, so we'll see about The Walking Dead. Yeah, but then again, uh, Sam and Diane got together, and that was bad, so they got apart again, and then they got together again. Cheers. You no know, cheers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's... Well uh, aware of it. There's... Uh, what was the one with Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd? Oh, yeah, I don't know. The Honeymooners? No, uh, that was, like, way far back. Uh, yeah, so when Sybil Shepard and uh, Bruce Willis were in that television show, whatever show that was, right? Uh, there was sexual tension there, and once they got together, it was uh, really bad for ratings, and the show took a big, giant dump. So what are they going to do here? I don't know. Will they get together and be a happy family again? Uh, I'm really not sure. But same, same could be said for the X-Files. They get them together, and never was the same. Yeah, well, we also got Castle, which... Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I've only watched the first episode of Castle this season. I don't know what happens after that, but the first episode of this season was weak. Different show. We Dif- can... Different show, different podcast yep. in the, an alternate reality because we don't do that show in this reality. <clears throat> That's right. And I watch Castle because of Nathan Fillion, like almost all their audience, I think. Well, what about Stana Kotick? They're, they're oh, both I, Canadian. I like her now, but come on. 95% of that show's audience, I think, started watching it because of him. Well, yeah. And now maybe they stick with it. I don't know. I, I think it's got a very strong cast of characters. I like all the secondary characters as well. They all have... Uh, anyway. <laughs> Welcome to the Castle Cast, everybody. Talking Castle. <laughs> I like Castle Cast. Castle Cast. The Castle Cast. Nice. Anyhow, uh, thank you, Nikki, for that call. Sean from Ohio, and also Luke from the East Coast, wrote, writes in about Beth and Carl. 
Sean says, I wouldn't be surprised if Carl and Beth hooked up. Dale is dead, so we will never see him hook up with Andrea like in the comic book. <laughs> I laughed there because it suddenly occurred to me that what if he's about to say Dale is dead, so we'll never see him hook up with Beth? That would be, that would be weird. Anyways, uh, we'll never see Dale hook up with Andrea like in the comic. However, we can still get the aged gap lover's storyline from the comics through the characters of Carl and Beth. Plus, in the zombie apocalypse, age expectancy is surely shorter no time to wait for prom night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So maybe they're doing that. Maybe they're putting that age gap just in teenage years instead. Well, I mean, you know, way back in the day, that was that was marrying age, wasn't it? I, 13, wait, wait, 17, but usually it was reversed uh, on the sexes. Like they married off girls at 13 and the guys at 17. I don't know. Did they? I guess so, I think yeah. they did. Well, they do in TV and movies and books and stuff. All right. But they may be exaggerating for entertainment and Disgust value. And disgust value. Now, as friend of the show Dave said on Facebook, there can be a relationship between these two characters without being a sexual one. That that's is very true. That's where things get weird, is if Carl and Beth start doing it. And I don't I don't I don't even want to go any farther into that, but um, you know, they can become very good friends. They can walk around holding hands and and then, you know, go to sleep at night in their separate cells. It's a very, very good point, and probably what would happen. It probably what would happen. If they were to get together at all, that's probably what would happen. You need friends in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Moonlighting. There you go. Bruce Willis and Civil Shepard. Out of nowhere you found it. No, out of IMDb I found it. <laughs> Thank you, Sean from Ohio, and Luke from the East Coast. Tom from the Internet writes in about Lori being a decent wife. He says, I have a bone to pick about Lori being a decent wife. Uh, she's not, if you recall, one of, if you recall in one of the flashbacks, oh, I don't understand this sentence. She's not, if you recall one of the flashbacks, she is talking with her girlfriend in front of the school, and it's obvious she's cheating on Rick with Shane. Also, from the webisodes, she took all his clothes and pictures and put them in storage in Atlanta. She was ready to leave him, but a zombie apocalypse got in the way. Aww. So, I have a couple things here. First of all, just... Be, wanting to leave someone you're in a relationship with doesn't make you bad. It's just the reality of, of the world. Sometimes you things fizzle out and you want to get out of things. Yep. Now, I argued last week that she was, in fact, a bad wife, uh, but I don't really think it's for this. I think it's mostly for sleeping with her wife's well, best friend. Yeah, her having an extramarital affair is a bad wife kind of thing. It really is. But you take that out of the equation because, <clears throat> uh, you know, Shane lied to her. She was being manipulated. Her husband was dead. There was a whole yeah. thing. And it's just like, uh, you know, she didn't just, uh, well, you know, in, in the flashback, if it's obvious that uh, she was sleeping with Shane already, then there's problems. Okay, well, that's what— I don't what... think that's happened. I don't, I, I don't necessarily agree with that aspect. Yeah, that's what Tom is saying here. He says it's obvious she was cheating on Rick with Shane. I went back and watched the scene. It wasn't obvious to me. She was telling her friend outside the school while she was waiting for Carl that they're having problems. They had a big fight that morning, and the biggest thing that upsets her is that Rick never really fights back. Right. He's just a—he just kind of— is always level-headed and calm and tries to, you know, ease the tension or whatever. Oh, man, he's doing that now. <clears throat> yeah, he's, he's not really fighting back. He's just like, yeah, whatever. It's just like, you you argue all you want. I'm just going to be over here. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so maybe he's a bad husband. <laughs> maybe. He's a bad arguer, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't think it was obvious that she was cheating with Shane. Even when Shane showed up to tell her that Rick's been shot and he's in surgery, um, <sighs> 
Shane's there because he was his partner and best friend. I mean, yeah. who else would deliver f- that? Friend news? of the family, obviously. Friend of the family, for sure. So I don't think it was quite that cut and dry from this scene. But uh, <clears throat> the other thing is here, Tom thinks that it was Lori that took all of Shane uh, Rick's stuff and put it in storage in Atlanta, the storage locker that we came across in the webisodes. Now, that never occurred to me. No, me neither. That was a very interesting <clears throat> point. I think it's a really interesting point. Um I always sort of looked at that storage locker and thought, oh, the Grimes had a storage locker that they kept their stuff in. No big deal. But if what Tom is saying is true, yeah, it adds a little bit of weight to the whole situation. You know, she got all his stuff out of the house the moment he was shot, and that was that. Okay, so uh, Rick went back to the house in the first season. Yeah, and he noticed, he noted that all the pictures and personal stuff was gone. Yeah. So, um, Lori didn't take it with her in the apocalypse because she certainly doesn't have it now. No. And why would you want to travel with a bag full of picture frames? Yeah. She loaded up the Hyundai and off they went. Right. Or she loaded up the truck and moved it all to storage. So that stuff was put in storage while he was in a coma before the zombie apocalypse broke out. That's a very interesting chain of continuity. Yes, it is. That's really cool. Bad wife territory. (laughs) Uh, well, you know, there might be an argument for, I'm so upset that my husband is in a coma. I can't look at any of this crap. It just reminds me of him. Uh, you know, it's, it's bad. I I got nothing. That's, that's a horrible thing. Yeah. (laughs) My husband's in a coma. That's it. I'm getting rid of all his stuff. But Tom, excellent observation. I, that never occurred to me. Um, good, good work. You should be a detective, man. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, okay. One more email here and then a call. Rachel from the internet writes, oh, she wrote in a really long, great email with all kinds of thoughts, but I chose this one excerpt, um, and it's about, again, how the zombie infection works, but she has a new theory on it here that we hadn't considered before, and I really, really liked it, so here it goes. Rachel says, I sort of wonder if maybe bites and scratches only affect the uninfected. Perhaps in the early stages, everyone is catching the zombie virus. Some get sick from it, the fever, and die and come back as zombies. But I theorize that those who survive the initial wave of infection would not get sick from later exposure. Sure, they'll still go zombie when they die, but maybe getting bit isn't as dangerous now as it used to be. So what she's saying is everyone gets infected. Some people, that's enough. They just die from that infection and and become zombies. Right. Other people survive the initial wave and are therefore in some way immune to it. They still become a zombie when they actually do die, but that infection by itself doesn't cause them to die initially. Right. So getting bit later on isn't quite as dangerous because they're already in some way immune to it. I thought that was really interesting. That is really interesting, and it also leads to the fact that uh, Rick cut off Herschel's <coughs> leg for nothing. For no reason. So he, he might have just been fine, exactly. We don't have any confirmation on this, but I think uh, Milton, if anyone, will be able to tell us in a future episode. Oh, my God, and Big Tiny would have been fine, too. Oh, if Big Tiny would have been fine anyways, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Big Tiny. Big Tiny, yeah. Got his head smashed in by his buddy for no reason. Yeah, that guy sucked. <laughs> he really did. Uh, All right, one more call, and um, he kind of gives his comments on our last podcast and then goes right into a holy crap, so that's why it's at the end. After this, we're going into holy crap. Did you see that? This is from Dave in Syracuse. Hi, guys. This is Dave from Syracuse. I just got done listening to the podcast for the second show of season three. 
Um, as far as your re uh, reconnoiter conversation, I was always um, told that recon was short for reconnaissance. Oh, son of a um, right. I wish I had a dictionary in front of me right now, but I'm sitting in my car before work, and I don't have one of them. But um, that's that's my two cents on it. And also, my holy crap, did you see that moment is from the very first episode. Um, when they're in the house that they bust into, like pretty much gangbuster style, and just demolish the zombies in there. Look at Rick's gun. It's like he made an made an impromptu silencer out of out of a mag light on the end of his gun. It's like a flashlight on there. I kept pointing it out to people, and they thought it was it was a regular silencer. But I think if you look hard enough, you'll see that that's a flashlight. Um, just my two cents. So I uh, hope you guys keep making more podcasts. Love hearing from you. Bye. Okay. First of all, on the flashlight silencer. Yep. Go back and look at it. Totally a mag light. Cool. Totally a mag light. Looks exactly like it. So good eyes there, Dave. <clears throat> um, and regarding reconnoiter. Yeah, he's absolutely right. I'm, I looked it up too. Yeah. But both words mean essentially the same thing. I think they might have a similar root, like the same root word. They both come from French. Um, yep. And uh, yes, they are similar words. Uh, and they may have a similar root word. I'm, I'm not sure. I think there are two distinct words in right. French, and we've adopted both of them, reconnaissance and reconnoiter, sort of um, verbatim from okay, French. Okay, so this is from Wikipedia. Often, okay, this is reconnaissance, the word reconnaissance, often referred to as recce, British and Commonwealth, or recon, U.S. Uh, the associated verb is reconnoitre, British English, uh, or reconnoiter in American English. Yeah. So okay. So they come from the same word, but recon is short for reconnaissance. He's absolutely right. I went too far with uh, reconnoiter. <laughs> good word though, man. Reconnoiter. I it, mean, it is a good. Never heard it before in my life. So, uh, good word. All right. Thank you, everyone, for writing in. Let's do this and then wrap it up. Holy crap! Did you see that? Our first one comes from our friend Jason in Brooklyn who we saw while we were down in New York at New York Comic Con. Yep, yep. Uh, good to hear from you again, Jason. Here's what he had for Holy Crap. Did you see that? Hey, Jason. Hey, Chris. Uh, this is Jason from Brooklyn. Uh, great seeing you guys real quick uh, at uh, the Comic Con. But uh, I'm calling because of uh, tonight's uh, sick. Uh, the Holy Crap, did you, did you see that? I feel has to be the zombie panties. At the end. Very disturbing. <laughs> Love the show. Love you guys. Take care. Bye. I, I really don't know if we can add anything to that. Nope. He's not the only person to write in about that. I will say that right now. Um, a, a couple of other people um, wrote in that that was something that took them aback a little bit. <laughs> it was very graphic. That whole scene uh, was very graphic. I, I'm just... I'm just glad that zombie had something on under that dress. Well, it is a television show. <laughs> I I know that, but you can show a lot when it's a dead body. Well, they would have to, no. They would have to blur it, even if it's a fake dead body. You remember the the, the alien autopsy? Yes, they blurred the genitals. Oh, okay, fine, but that was in the '80s. Yeah, but it just it made absolutely no sense because first of all, they weren't human genitals. If it was an actual alien, second of all, if it was a fake alien, what? Anyway, I got problems with the blurring of the genitals. So if she didn't have panties on, <coughs> they would have blurred the genitals. And where would we be? You can show nudity on Dexter. You can show nudity on any HBO show. This is a a AMC. They're not going to show nudity. I, I guess not, but they're not that different from FX or HBO or Showtime. 
all of which can show nudity. This is cable television, the non-cable television. This is over-the-air broadcast stuff. No, this is cable TV in the states, if if I'm not mistaken. It did. I don't think uh, I don't think it's the same. I don't think they can get away with that with a, a Showtime or an HBO level of uh, nudity. That's unfortunate. Uh, anyways, that was uh, that or, was Jason's holy crap or swearerizing. Swear, yeah, they certainly don't swear as much as all those other shows. The profanity I mean, just isn't there. They say shit on regular television now. Really? Yeah. No kidding. Really? I've heard that. I don't watch I'm any regular sure. TV anymore except for Castle. <laughs> Didn't? Yeah, they say shit on. I'm trying to remember the shows that I've listened to. Uh, yeah, it might be Showtime still. I don't know what the rules are, but I... Oh, there were boobs in that show, too, so I guess it's... Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking of Boss with uh, Kelsey Grammer. Oh, I haven't seen it. Good show, actually. Really good show. Okay, Chuck from the internet writes in, My holy crap, did you see that from episode two was Rick dropping the machete into Thomas's head. It was sudden, and the image jarred me. It sure was. It, yeah. For, even though I figured something was going to happen, it kind of came out of nowhere. Yep. <clears throat> Bobby from Delaware writes... My moment was when Merle showed up. Even though I knew it was going to happen, I got chills when I first heard his voice. What an awesome character. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Kent from Kentucky. My holy crap moment was my total comic geek out moment as the governor was sitting there watching must-see zombie TV. <laughs> uh, I love that much. Uh, I love that even as much as they derivate from the comic, they have these scenes that are straight from the pages of Kirkman's creation. What a great way to end this week, showing what a nutcase the governor actually is. Yeah. Must have been Thursday. Must-see TV. <clears throat> Was Thursday. Yeah. I guess so. Must-see zombie head TV. That's right. Chuck sent an email. He's from Virginia. He writes, uh, did you see the shot after Michonne decapitated her pets? They had arms. Just, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome. Just, just joking. He says, oh. my actual moment was the helicopter blade with all the gore and then the reveal of the Army National Guard guy cut in half. Yep. That was pretty awesome. That was awesome. Finally, Lori from the internet writes, uh, Merle Dixon throughout the entire episode. Uh, what is up with his kowtowing to the governor? And I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I looked it up and it means no, like I'd... bowing down and worshiping. Kowtow is right. Kowtow? Yeah. All right. Um, so that's it. Do you have a holy crap for this week? I do have a holy crap for this week. I do too. You do? Yeah. All right. Well, me first. Go for it. Okay. So it's a small thing. But it uh, it actually made me uh, really enjoy this episode just a little bit more. <clears throat> okay. So when the uh, the two vehicles showed up just after uh, Michonne and Andrea found the crash, and they were hiding in the woods. Yes. So the SUV and the truck pulled up. Right. And uh, as the doors opened and people got out, there were five people that got out, including Merle. But we don't see Merle get out. We do see Merle getting out. I if, couldn't see If Merle. you go back, I've got a video capture that I will show you afterwards. <laughs> At about five minutes in, it's uh, the point of view of uh, Michonne, or just over Michonne's shoulder, looking through the woods. And uh, so on the, on the right-hand side is the SUV. Uh, the governor and uh, Timmy or Tommy or whatever the hell his name is uh, get out along with uh, one of the other guys, the baseball bat or the... Uh, Bow I think the, base, the baseball bad guy, I think, was driving the truck. Passenger side of the truck, out gets a character, closes the door with his uh, left hand, and walks straight off into the woods. Okay. And that is Merle. He's wearing the same thing that Merle's wearing, and everybody else is accounted for. I'm going to totally the, go and check that out now. Yeah, che- absolutely check it out. It was just a small thing, a subtle thing, but the uh, the continuity there was, uh, was nice to see, that he just got out, walked right into the woods to go and uh, scout around the area. 
Uh, okay, cool. I didn't think they showed him. I thought they were, you know, purposefully not showing him until the reveal a couple of minutes later. Oh, he was obscured by trees and the door closing, but there was definitely a fifth guy getting out of that. Uh, those two vehicles. Could, could you see the hand? No, tool? you couldn't see anything. I'll show you after the. All uh, right, we'll take a look. Well, I have one, and it just sort of adds insult to injury to the whole soldier scene. Right. I was trying to, you know, write that out of continuity so I didn't have to remember. It. Well, here, here you go. After this, you can erase it forever. Um, at the end, after everyone's dead and the one guy's running away, the governor takes uh, the um, the assault rifle that he picked up from the uh, the other dead soldier. Yep. And he raises it and he aims it and he fires at that guy. Yep. Right up, you know, looking straight down the barrel of the gun. Yep. And there's no sight on it. So it's like he was using the gun with a sight and he would have needed to to shoot that far and that accurately, I think. Rifles have hard sights like they don't have to have a scope on them i know there was no scope but i don't think i think there was only the thing on the end of the barrel and there wasn't the other part on the other part of the gun there must have been something i don't know it didn't look to me like there was anything there because they put little pieces of steel on the end of the rifle and on the uh near the uh near the breech so that you can sight the thing without a any kind of scope Mm, all right i'll go back and look but there you know there might very well might not have been was there a scope on it in the previous scene? Oh, that's a good question. I'm th- that would really be holy crap, but uh, I wouldn't be entirely surprised this scene was so half-baked. They they all seem to have scopes to me. I'm a little surprised that that wouldn't have a scope. Definitely on it. no scope. So, yeah. we can go back and check it, but I it's well, at least he didn't me. hip fire it. If he hip fired it, that would be <laughs> ridiculous. Hip fired it backwards looking in a mirror between his legs <laughs> and then or spun something. it around like the terminator in a shotgun <laughs> and blew off the smoke and yeah. <laughs> in, uh, I'm not I I Kind of surprised that didn't happen, yeah, actually. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of The Talking Dead. I just want to play this. Next week on The Walking Dead. That was loud. I'll probably have to turn that down. <laughs> Next week's episode is called Killer Within. Killer Within. Next Sunday at 9 on AMC. We'll, of course, be recording our podcast next Monday for that one. Thank you for listening uh, this week, everybody, if you want to get in contact with us, I would be uh, very happy if you did that. You can call our toll-free voicemail line at one eight six six four eight three zomb That is 9662. Leave your thoughts, comments, questions, and holy crap moments right there if you want. We are on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And once again, I just want to say hello to any new listeners we might have. Our Facebook page has been pretty busy lately. Hello. And, uh, and you know, I'm glad you, you're tuning in if you are, and I hope you stay with us. It's mm-hmm. nice, to have, uh, nice to have new listeners. So um, if any of you are new or old or whatever and you want to email us, email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right, everyone. Uh, My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week when we talk about Killer Within. Salut.